Okay, welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 88. Back here again this week. Oh, running on fumes, aren't we? We're all trying to live our lives, go to work every day, but stay up and watch as much World Cup as we can. The definition of night shift going on here. Uh, Tommy's on the other end of the line, going to join me again. How's your week been, man? Let's do it. Um, good, good, great, tired, everything. I'm just, I'm really stoked to see we're both wearing our European nations uh, pussies armbands for tonight's pod. I think that feels right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get straight into these games because there's a bit to cover. Obviously, we want to talk about Australia and France. That's the main one. Um, last time we recorded, we were recording at the point of Saudi Arabia's victory over Argentina that seemed to go on for 20,000 minutes of extra time. Uh, following that, Denmark, Tunisia, nil or draw. I don't have any notes on this one, do you? Nothing. Well, nothing. Maybe nothing just thing at all. Maybe just that Tunisia is going to be a harder game than most people think. Absolutely. Um, I The only note I made of that as I flicked it on as I was going to bed was that it looked like a fucking home game for Tunisia. Hell yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. There are so many Tunisians there. That's going to be pumping. It'll be a good watch at least. Um, Apparently there's like 30 odd thousand Tunisians that live in yeah. Qatar. So that, it was always going to pump. Yeah. That was followed by another new nil that I don't think anyone saw because at 2.30 a.m. at this point of the competition, I'm not not sure how many people are using their 2 a.m. wake up to watch Mexico and Poland. Exactly. It's a sacrifice game. I think they're saving them for later in the later in the tournament, which brings us to the events of Wednesday morning, France versus Australia. We go down 4-1. Let's dive into this. Where do we start? Where do we where do we start with this? Where do we start? I think we start at 5:30 a.m. Uh, Desperados, uh, which is a really nice tequila beer if no one's ever had it. Followed by, you know, sipping it three times and realizing, oh, this is a terrible idea. Let's just watch the game. Is that what you did? That was what we did. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. We we tried. We tried. And I mean, you know, after ten minutes, it seemed like a really good idea. It did seem like a good idea. We went one nil up, and it was absolute scenes. Uh, am I the only one that got super emotional seeing Craig Goodwin score a World Cup goal? I think if I was alone, if I was by myself, yeah, I probably would have bored my eyes out. But because I was with a couple other people, we just lost our collective minds. It was one yeah. of one of those things that you'll probably, even though the, the result was shit ass, I'll always remember just the yeah. reaction. And we were trying to be quiet as well because we, we were in an apartment block. The pub wasn't open. They said they were going to be open. They weren't. That's a different story. We're in this tiny little apartment and like the temperature in there raised by like 15 degrees. It was nuts. Yeah, nice. Um, went through like three stages with it, like with the Craig Goodwin thing. So there's him actually being announced as being in the squad. And that was like, if that's the first hurdle, like he's going. So anything from here is a bonus. And then it was like, oh, what if he gets a chance to like play a game? And I was thinking he'd be a come off the bench guy. Uh, maybe Boyle being out opened the door for him because it moves Leckie. I think Arnie probably would have started Leckie on the left. Had Boyle not been and Boyle out. on the right. Yeah. So Lecky yeah, moves across probably. and Craig gets a start. And then not only does he start, but he scores a goal against the defending world champions before they can lay a hand on us. How good. It, it was a big call as well, because like you said, you can play Lecky on the left-hand side. And, you know, I thought you'd probably start with um, a bill. But to see Goodwin in the starting lineup, I think that's when my phone started to buzz. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is real. Yeah. It's happening. Um, the whole the whole play was actually quite good. If you want to respect that long ranging ball from Sutar from the back, 
and he finds Lakey, who actually does control it well, first touch, yep. puts Hernandez on his ass. Unfortunately, he has ruled him out for the rest of the season. Like, that's a dead set ankle breaker. ACL. <laughs> He's fucked. And, you know, when you've got that kind of time and space, you can rush it or you can butcher the opportunity. But it was the perfect ball. The way that it curls outside of the center back's tracking um, to find Craig Goodwin's left foot, who just, is there any any better description than berries with a plum? Roof yeah. of the net. And it happens so fast and you're trying, your mind's trying to catch up like, hang on, was that actually Craig Goodwin? Has he just scored Australia's first open play goal in like eight years? Yeah, so good. I know we won't claim him as a South Australian either, but um, Matt Leckie obviously like kind of paved his the way for his career at Adelaide United. So two, an Adelaide United player and an ex-Adelaide player combining for the goal, not to mention having like, we had a bunch of South Aussies, like Northern Suburbs boys in there. Riley, uh, was Tommy Deng on the bench there? Tommy Deng was as on well. the bench. Um, Awe Bill came on. It was just, just great times. Great times up until, uh, what minute was it? Maybe the 27th. And then I thought, 20, yeah, mm. nah, we're done here already. <laughs> Back to bedtime. Maybe we should have mm. just packed it in, gave it up. Um, it was a very cheap goal to give away. And it was a sign of things to come. And like you talk about Tommy Dang being on the bench, Atkinson for the the goal that followed. Um, just what what do you think? Yeah, There's, I've got some thoughts on these guys, uh, like a bunch hmm. of players collectively, and I don't want to. Maybe we'll get to that soon. Maybe maybe I'll just just go through the goals. I want to go a bit through the French, get the French stuff out of the way. Okay, okay. so Teo Teo Hernandez comes on. Regular listeners to us would know that I bloody love him. He's Milan's captain at the moment. He's he's young and he's well, he's 25 now, but he's just an absolute gun. And he came on for his brother who got injured, set up the goal for Rabio. Then Rabio sets up the goal for Giroud. Now Rabio, I'll do Rabio first. He's like uh, you were a bit skeptical last week about. Oh, his I've been potty. <laughs> yeah, and I think I just noticed. Only purely for the amount of Serie A I watch, I noticed his he was really starting to run the show for Juve with all their injuries. Um, and he was in such good form coming into this tournament. He's hit 27 now and he's ready to reach his peak. And he pops up with a goal and then he sets up Giroud to put them up. And uh, and that, that brings me to Giroud, obviously, who's now equaled the record for France set by Thierry Henry, 51 goals. Unbelievable, dude. And in less games in as less well. Games. Henri, yeah, had a, Henri had a good stint of his career where he was playing more as a winger. But, you know, Giroud, considering he's not really ever talked about anywhere near the same categories as your big world number nines, um, his career is phenomenal. We've done that to death on this pod as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a very pro-Giroud pod. Yeah, pro-Giroud pod. You've got to be pro-Giroud. What a man. Just look at it. What a specimen. Just, um, yeah, at 35, unreal. And then the two second goals, I guess this is where we can maybe transition it a bit more is... Oh, I just... Um, yeah, go on. Do, do you remember uh, Giroud's overhead attempted shot that went just wide in the first half as well? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what, who is doing that in this World Cup at the moment? <laughs> Nobody. Just, Man, just Ollie. Um, yeah, and this is where the goals that France scored in the second half, maybe this is where we can transition it into a chat about Australia's performance, but... I saw a lot of criticism for the goals and yeah, it is there at the same time. Uh, the ball from Dembele to Mbappe is 
inch it's perfect, delicious. like millimeter yeah. perfect between two mm. center backs. Um, and then the cross from Mbappe on his wrong foot to the man of the moment, Olivier Giroud, again. And it's just like, oh, we're really just up against a different kettle of fish, aren't we? Yeah, they are different gravy, these guys. Uh, in the build-up to the second goal, the flick by Mbappe to uh, release uh, the ball that was played into uh, Giroud was just unbelievable. Oh, the, uh, the flick into Rabiot that plays in Giroud. Unreal. On the touchline like yeah. that. He was doing that all game as well. Just these, you know, off-the-cuff kind of like different dimension flicks and stuff that were totally wrong-footing our defenders, breaking apart any kind of press that we were trying to enact like i didn't yeah. didn't really see any kind of a press um but you're right with the third goal the, the ball by dembele is brilliant and it's mbappe's just explosive speed off the mark that leaves rouse and suta wrong uh flat-footed so there were a lot of moments in this game where just france's quality absolutely shone through yeah um if we want to talk about australia's overall performance i think i've landed in this place of like france were really good but we were also poor at times i actually think like most times i can't i agreed with uh craig foster actually what he said after the game about like you know we went in two one down having scored a goal against them and shaken them up at the back and then but then didn't like there was nothing to lose to chase that game yeah we didn't try to chase it and we just sat in and then you know, I don't want to be too critical on the players for this one because, like, I do think there's that massive, I think I said it to you in the morning, but, like, the deer, deer in the headlights element where it's, like, you're, you know... The game's getting away from you. The game's getting... One, one thing happens. These guys are clearly a class above. And then once that happens, like, the mental side of the game is such a huge part. And once things like this start part. to happen... Yeah, once things like this start to happen... That's where sometimes you can lose like some of the basic, like I saw criticism of the third goal. Like, why is there nobody like Mugging. somebody should have contact with Mbappe at all times mm. there, but it's like, it's almost He's like, so fast. it's almost like their movement and everything is just too good. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes things like that can go out the window when you're up against an opposition that's just that much better than you. Like that's, that's how sport works, you know. And so, you know, we'll, we're playing with a centre back partnership that had never they've never played together, Sutan Rolls, and so yeah. they're gonna, you know, I think some of the headed challenges, the two headed goals. I, when I looked at them initially, I thought, okay, one of them has to be competing with the actual player jumping for the ball. Both of yeah. them are just kind of caught under it or out of position. Um, that's going to come with time. That's going to come with more structure and yeah. stuff. Um, they're probably. I'm not entirely sold on. Uh, is it Rolls, Rouse, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. I'm not sold that he is the number one centre back. Neither. Bailey Wright, I would prefer, but he comes across as more of a guy that you would end up being scapegoated. And we yeah, love to scapegoat does. people. He does. Beat. And he's I think he's been tried and tested enough. Yeah, that's that's Bailey why. Wright as well. He's kind of so got it's the like you may as, feel. Yeah, you may as well play someone else. Um, yeah, but against France in the World Cup finals, like we have to be playing our best players. I don't know. If, I don't know if Bailey Wright is one of our best players. I don't. I don't think he's our best in our best centre backs either. Well, well I think for, me, for me, it probably is Rolls. That's crazy. I just it's slim there's pickings. Something, there's something terribly wrong with this game. It's slim if, pickings. If if he is the number one centre back that we can pick oh, dude. We know, listen- we know, we know all these problems with our depth and the quality in our squad. So but that's I listened to Cosmina and um Simon Hill talk about they they like 
sort of broke down the ruse criticism and said a few things about it. And for me, the biggest glaring omission was like, there was not a single mention of government funding when it comes to our youth development and just, you know, the kind of national support that you only get during the tournament, but you don't win the tournament at the tournament. You win the tournament 10 years before. Yeah. And we have, we've just never laid the groundwork and it's because we don't get enough funding per participant and we don't get the respect in the media we deserve. And it's not a game that is valued properly. And so when we do go, you know, four one against France, it's, you know, because you get the football types that are like, uh, you shouldn't be proud of a loss. You shouldn't be proud just to be there to compete, whatever. Yeah. Falling against France, the World Cup champions probably is a really good result for Australia. It probably is. I just hate the cheap shots that come out from like, it's almost like we're almost gatekeeping, but it's like when people who don't really watch Australia play or watch the A-League and then they start criticising everything about it and you're like, or criticising this team and you're like, hey, leave that to us. We watch yeah. it. Like people who watch it can only be the ones who are like <laughs> criticizing. Like we, it's just so harmful. You don't get anything out of everyone making all these jokes and pot shots about. Yeah, oh, well, I've it. never heard of half our team either. Like, well, that's because you're a fucking idiot, and you should go and watch more local soccer, you knob. Exactly. God. You should be fucking tuning in at two a.m. against China. Yeah, and then maybe we can, region. Maybe we can help kind of put more pressure on uh, higher ups and the. Uh, you know, to get more money spent on this game to develop players and get us back to get us towards some sort of, uh, I don't know, 2006 vibes. Well, yeah, the, the great comparison is France who missed, did they miss qualification or they got knocked out in 2002 or whatever? And they were just at that moment like, bang, okay, this is it. We yeah. have to change everything. And now they're at this state 20 years later and they're almost untouchable. Yeah. Other than yeah, Craig Goodwin. 100%. Um, I'll go back to my. <laughs> deer in the headlights thing because this guy's copping it heaps but Nathaniel Matt, Atkinson yeah I mean he I don't, played against them that's why I don't I don't want to criticise him I just <laughs> I'm trying to make the excuse for him that it's just like he plays in Scotland there was a few glaring moments though where it was like oh well the, the you know what I mean like right. where I think like we can all oh there was that too but there's also the the fourth goal where Mbappe drops the shoulder twice on him and like oh, yeah. just it's glide. not just that Mbappe bet him for pace it's just it's also that he was beating him for pace anyway but it's also that like Atkinson's almost like oh shit what am I meant to oh oh no actually I need to run oh no I need and I'm not criticizing him there for that he's just like like I said the mental side of it is trying to play against Mbappe and he's probably thinking about a million things at once trying to focus mm-hmm. on playing on you know, one of the best players in the world. It's a big ask. And he's been doing it for 70 minutes at that point as well. And you just yeah, like I couldn't even imagine it. This is where it falls back on Arnie, where he had to make halftime changes. And I think a triple yeah. sub at halftime, because you're gonna we, we ended up losing by three goals anyway. So yeah. If you brought Mabil on and you brought maybe Tommy Dang on at right back and you brought on shit, I don't know. Not not Cummings. I mean, we haven't even talked about the cum dog yet. He was atrocious. Yeah, he was. Kalach yep. caught him out and he made headlines for that. So he said he was absolutely minging. Yeah. Which is a weird thing for a Croatian to say. <laughs> I think <laughs> with guys like Cummings and that cum dog, as he's more professionally known. Cum dog I think like the harsher judgment should come after games against Tunisia and Denmark, I think, you know, not, I don't think 
a game against France is the right time to go. It's it's more of a watch and see how it goes. And then, all right, this was, you know, we highlight some concerns. And then when we play Tunisia and Denmark, we go, okay, this is actually a problem or this isn't a problem. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So have you have you thought about what changes are made ahead of the Tunisia game? Do we bring oh, Cammy Devlin know. in, for example? Just Does Deng or Dejanek play instead of Atkinson? I, I have no idea. I don't know. I'd be Can- tempted to stick with the lineup. I would too. I think Tunisia seems like a good game for Mitch Duke, which it didn't. Yeah. The outset, I wasn't keen on him playing prior to the France game. Uh, yeah. He was mil- he was millimeters away from making a two 0 though. He was. I think it would be super stiff to make any changes for the second one. Uh, they might do just because the games are they're such a quick turnaround. But three days. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was playing FIFA, I wouldn't be making any changes because you know we lost to mm. France four one. France. France could well go out and beat plenty of other teams by three or four goals. So, you know, we didn't do a full Costa Rica 7-0. So. No, exactly. Or a 6-2 or a um, So we kept it. A player I want to stick up for a bit is um, a guy who seems to have become the new whipping boy, Robbie Cruz Let me guess. style. Go Let me for guess. it. Is it is it Aziz Bayage? Oh, no, but that's one as well. Yeah, but okay. I was going to say Jackson Irvine. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah, cool. I don't... <laughs> I saw so much criticism for him on the morning of the game and like I I just don't know what pe- people come up with these suggestions like he shouldn't be in there because he's like shit but it's the same reason Robbie Cruz held his spot for so long who are you replacing him with that's it who are you replacing Jackson who's Irvine? coming off the pot I also don't think Jackson Irvine is that bad I think he is probably in our best two centimeters based on form so I thought I thought all of our good chances in this game came from him breaking the lines and taking a chance to pressure the centre-backs or the DMs. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally rate him. And he definitely had a purpose and a role in this team and he, he fulfills it fine. He fulfills it fine. Just like Bayage. I thought yeah. Bayage had a great game. He may have even been our best on. But again, I saw time after time, just people like, he can't cross, he can't attack, he can't defend. And it's like, yeah. well, who the fuck else are we going to have? Joel King? You really want Joel I King? Just, I feel like it's an Australian thing. It might not be an Australian thing. It might be happen everywhere. But I feel like here, definitely, we have people that see like, they'll see a player once and they've made their mind up. And then no matter what happens after that, it's too late. Like they've already decided this guy's shit or this guy's good. Is it, is it the is it the football fans or is it the just football the fans. the national team watches? Ah, oh. because it's we the, you know the I narrative guess, gets it I gets think, very disjointed yeah. at the moment because a lot of people are watching. Like you said, I don't want to be a gatekeeper either, but like you said, a lot of people yeah, are watching yeah. these games now that don't know anything about it. They haven't. They don't know what Jackson Irvine's been playing like over in Germany or wherever. Mm. They don't know what Aaron's been Saint playing Pauli. like. I think it's at Saint yeah. Pauli, Yeah. Yeah, they don't know what uh, they're and they're up near the top of the league as well with him starting a lot of games. Mm. Um, Aaron, they don't know what they don't know what Aaron Moy's been playing like at Celtic. Um, they definitely don't know what any of the A League players have been playing like. Um, I don't know. This sounds weird. I feel like I've gone off the rail here and I'm criticizing guys that watch Australia play, but <laughs> I hope but- you understand where I'm coming from. It's not, yeah, you know. Well, okay, it just it gets to a point where the, the Australian mentality is win everything and you compare it to other sports that we play in, where we play cricket or rugby or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, it's a different kettle of fish, man, because there's like 20 cricketing nations. There's 10 rugby nations. Yeah. You're literally playing against 200 different nations whose their national game is football. Yeah. And they just expect us to perform. I saw one really, 
really terrible tweet that was like, as a, one of the richest nations uh, in the world, Australia should just play a good 11. And it was like, we could play a fucking good 11 <laughs> if we if the fucking game was invested in properly. Yeah. That's what it falls back to for me. So that's the thing we radically have to change. Yep. Fair. All right. Do you have anything else on this game or we, we've done it? We're good. You got anything we've else? We've done it. We've done it. I just, the Craig Goodwin moment, beautiful, amazing. Yeah. Uh, it'll, yeah, it'll live long with me, I think, and all Adelaide people and all Victorians who tried to claim yeah. him in the process. Absolutely. It's going to be right up there for me as World Cup moments going forward. Uh, hopefully he can do one. Oh, there was a moment near the end. I think we got a, we got a free kick after he'd been subbed off. Yes, I was like, this and it was is... on the left. It was the perfect. Yeah, range. we just needed him. We needed him to cross it. We needed Benny Warland as well, so he could get on the end of it and either square it to Hiroshi or Mitch Duke, or uh, put it in himself. You know, a la Adelaide United lately. All right, thank you. We'll move on. Um, I think the first game after this was the eight thirty Wednesday night game, which was Morocco Croatia. I didn't see this. I was at a Nick Cave concert, but um, you watched this. How how was Nick? No, we won't go into it. Uh, I did watch this one. And yep. for a nil-nil draw, I thought there was a lot of um, things that you could make note of in this because obviously okay. Croatia were were uh, in the final in 2018. And yet, and, and they met the African champions who a lot of people just, I think offhand just wrote off just because they don't really know a lot about Morocco. They don't really know the players that they have, but they've got a really good team. They've got Hakimi, they've got Ziyech. Uh, they got this guy called Amrabat who was just phenomenal throughout yep. the game. I, you know, they really took it to Croatia, a side that looked old and spent and just lacking in pace or mobility. And it, you know, in my eyes, in a game where there was only two shots on target from either side, I thought Morocco probably could have snatched this if they were a little bit more clinical. Yeah, it's um, it's the same three guys getting around that midfield, isn't it? Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic. It's the Kovacic. same three dudes. Still getting yeah. around. They got Perisic. His days as a I love Ivan Perisic as a player, but I think his days as a winger in a 4 3 3 are long gone. Oh, he was a ghost in this man. Yeah. Uh Nikola Vlasic is all right, but uh and then you look at their their back line is quite weak, really. Like oh, they've got Dan Lovren there, but then after that, I don't really I don't really know who Buena Sosa is or Gvardio. And I only know Josip Juanovic uh, because he plays for Celtic. Yeah, uh, Gvardio was excellent. He is maybe one of the most highly rated centre-backs coming out of Europe at the moment. Yeah. Uh, huge potential on FIFA, which is why I've got a keen interest in him. But he, he had a really <laughs> good game, I thought. Uh, Lovren was one of those, you know how you get in the World Cup squad and you're like, what the fuck is that guy still playing? Yeah. And he kind of gave me vibes like he shouldn't be in the team either. But it's it's that thing where they just haven't rejuvenated yet and they've, they're taking the same side that was successful in the past to this yeah. and they they just look slow and there was as much as Modric can like find the ball in pockets and play these really cutting passes if you've got like a Kramerich up front that can't run or if yeah. you've got a, a Vlasic double team every opportunity you just you're not going to get anywhere and Perisic like it's, I said passenger terrible it's a far game. cry it's a far cry from playing alongside like Vinicius Jr and Rodrigo at Real Madrid isn't it Tony that's Cruz that's it that's uh, it. They're just exasperated a forward threat. And yeah. what are you going to do? I, yeah, I thought Morocco were good. And they've got some genuine world beaters in their team. So I'm not sure. Maybe Morocco could be the second team to go through in this group. Yeah, it could be interesting. Could be interesting. Uh, this opens it up. 
I might have got those games around the wrong way around. I can't remember. Oh no, it was that was the eight thirty game. It was the right way. Yeah, yeah, that was the one I watched. Um, and the last one was it was Germany Japan. Was it Wednesday Germany, night? Germany Japan was the next yeah that game. was Wednesday yeah. night. I yep. remember. I just like I said, I'm running on fumes at the oh, moment. No, I'm not. I got home. The I got home last night and. It was like the Germany Japan game was on, and it was like halfway through the second half. And I, I remember putting it on, and then I woke up to my alarm, and I was like, "Well, this is it's morning. I have to go to work." Sick, um, but perhaps you can help me out with this one. Germany going down to Japan two one. Love this. Seeing the Asian nations getting up. Yes, what we said in the preview, all I wanted to see was the Asian nations actually throw their weight around, and we've seen Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, and now Japan has beaten Germany. What a result, man. And for like, this is like a wonderful uh, Master V Apprentice kind of thing because the, the German influence on the Japanese game um, is is huge. And you see a lot of Japanese players go to Germany and succeed. And so this like probably their best result at a World Cup finals that we've seen. And uh, just there were some crazy stats that came out of this, Sam. Japan won this game with the second lowest share of the ball in World Cup history. Of twenty six percent, yeah, right, huge. Just, but you know, the the possession doesn't reflect the the two halfedness of this game. I think because at halftime, um, the Japanese coach, his name escapes me now, but he he switched the tactics around, which is exactly what we were asking of Arnie. Moriyasu done this. Moriyasu changed, changed shape to a back five so that he could press one-on-one um, with the Germans. And like, they got their rewards. They, he made the right subs. Um, the the Brighton player that came on, uh, uh, Minta Mina, I should know this. Whoever the Brighton guy that was that came on, he fucking opened up the game crazy. Matoma and, or Minamino? Yeah, Matoma. No, no, M- Matoma. Yeah, exactly, Matoma. Yeah. I was getting them confused. Uh, he, <laughs> he just lit it up, man. And they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, Got the equalizer, and then I don't know if you saw the winner in the end. I did, yeah. Oh I have an interesting God. note on this player. Hang it in the Louvre, Sam. That, yeah, wow. Takuma Asano scored the winner. Um, he was on the books at Arsenal for three years. Never played a league game. Was sent out on loan uh, three times. Never actually in his entire time ended up getting a. He never got the work permit to play in the Premier League. Oh, um, dude. And he ended up going. He, he was never really good enough. Mm-hmm. He found his level in the well, end eventually. He went to like Partizan. And now I think he's in Germany. He plays for Bochum in the Bundesliga. Okay. So, yeah. 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 Beautiful. Worked out yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, that what a spectacular touch to take it over your shoulder like that and to put the ball on running into the box. Yeah. Um, one-on-one with uh, Schlotterbeck, who I wanted to hit you up about being yeah. a Dortmund center half. Uh, he was probably caught out for both of the goals. I think I mentioned this the, the week we did the did. we went through some of the squad. Schlotterbeck is uh, uh, oh. oh boy. There's a reason Dortmund are not very good, uh, and it's because <laughs> and it's because he is one of their best centre backs. Yeah, and uh, he's was... not he's not fantastic. Uh, it's slim pickings for Germany at the moment. Maybe we can talk about them now just a little, but mm. that I think. Yeah, another thing. We said it when we did their squad, but they're at the back. Not very many familiar names at all. Um, they still look like they've got heaps in attack. It just just didn't come off, didn't work. It look it looks on paper like they have heaps in attack, but they don't have a recognised nine. 
No, but Havertz has done it. Havertz did it for a while for Leverkusen and he's done it at Chelsea. Maybe it hasn't worked out as well at Chelsea, but I think Havertz is a player that can do it, um, especially with like the guys around him, Musiala, Thomas Muller, Nabry. They started like they started with this game with like Kimmich and Gundogan in the midfield, Nabry, Muller, Musiala, and Havertz. Like that's unreal. But they just it's a find great the forward line. It's a great they, forward line. They uh, did yeah, find Gnab- the net, but you know they did find. But it was from the penalty spot. Yeah, um, yeah. tucked away nicely by Gundogan. Uh, Gnabry was great. Had four shots on target or something ridiculous. Yeah, they just maybe at one nil they just took a back a back backward step and. They they allowed Japan to get back into the game, unlike yeah. France against Australia. All right, we'll move it on. If that's all right with you, hit yeah yeah. We'll quickly it. go through this. We'll we'll get through it. Spain, Costa Rica, seven nil. We won't spend a what, whole bunch of time, but yeah. What can you say about a game where uh, the European nation went seven nil? Seven nil. Even Morata scored. Is that is that the charm? <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he got the last one. He got the last one. <laughs> I saw him butcher a few. <laughs> and I was like, ah, That's classic, still... <laughs> classic Alvaro. In a game where they're five, yeah. six nil up, and he's still they could have been chances. I watched the uh, like extended replay of this one, that, like ex- not extended replay, extended mini. They could have been like two, three nil up inside ten minutes, mm. um, and then it just got really ugly, really quick. Danny almost a star, kind of goes under the radar. I just my biggest concern is that. This is my biggest concern for Spain mm-hmm. is that Gavi is wearing number nine. Yes, which I in, like. Plays in the midfield. I like it. He's you can't taken do the responsibility that. on his That shoulders. is amateur league af. That is Sunday league shit. You cannot do that. <laughs> well, for some reason, Morata didn't want it. So at the end of the day. Because he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> well, who deserves it then? Who would you rather wear it? A striker of some sort. <laughs> Jesus. Somebody. Somebody. Who do they do they even do they even take any strikers with them? They don't do I strikers. No, nah, I literally I literally think it was Morata. I mean, they should have taken Rodrigo, obviously. Nine Premier League goals. He should be in this team. Yeah, I would say so. But um He's been overlooked. It's hard to argue with the players they've got there though. <laughs> I mean, is Nico Williams a forward? Is he wearing the twelve? I I don't know. I I have no idea. I don't no know. Um, Morata's wearing seven. Would you prefer Gavi to be wearing seven? Yeah, I think so. Swap him around. Gavi's yeah. playing, playing in the midfield, wearing number nine. It's just amateur league shit, him. all right? Div, div three crap. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to say about Spain, all right? Um, mm. I just mm. thought it would be interesting to compare because obviously England's, England scored six goals, Spain scored mm-hmm. seven. Um, scored four. Interesting. Different kind of, just a little comparison here. The way England went about it, I'm not saying it was worse than how Spain went about oh, it. Kind of sounds like you are. No, I'm just getting that little caveat in before people get ready, thinking I'm going to be really biased here. Um, but they were very different approaches, you know. Um, England's is very much like a, like they're very direct with it and they were ruthless with it. Um, they were kind of cut straight through the heart of Iran, whereas Spain's approach was like, see if you can come and get the ball off us and we're going to move around it, you know, as we've come to expect. I thought it was just interesting, an interesting um, representation of the English game versus the Spanish game. Mm-hmm. Not saying one is better than the other, you know, they're, they're, very, they're different styles that are both, when done right and executed well, can pound goals away. And I yeah, just thought that was devastating. Point to make. 
No, that's a great that's a great observation because like if these two faced each other, it would rely upon the individual English players' ability to press them and get the ball off of them. And if Spain are better individually, then they will beat them every day of the week. And so when you get those two styles clash, you actually get the best team winning on the day most of the time. Yep. Cool. Moving on. Belgium beat Canada 1-0. And oh. I was absolutely blown away when I saw the stats for this one after. Uh, there was no way I was getting up to watch Belgium and Canada. Not at this stage <laughs> of the comp. You know, Where's your commitment, Sammy? I know. I know. But absolutely blown away by these stats. I tell you what, the shots. I don't know. Canada in charge of everything pretty much except goals. They couldn't find the net. Davies had a penalty saved by Courtois, who is, I just said to you off air before, that Courtois is just still an absolute beast. You don't play for Real Madrid unless you are an absolute beast in goal, do you, really? Exactly. And you don't, well, I mean, Kalo Navas. but Navas did, and he let in seven, but he uh, was playing for Costa Rico. Rico. Costa Rico. I had that that speed song in my head, the World Cup song, (laughs) where he says Costa Rico, and he says... Tunisia, and he says, Crotia. Did you see Speed's reaction to Goodman yeah. scoring? <laughs> really? Craig, Craig. Argentina. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> and yeah. didn't the Canadians go well in this game? Yeah, they did well. They probably, they really deserve something out of it. I think they had like a real like FIFA moment where they had like 10 shots, like five shots in the space of five seconds and they just kept getting blocked all or of rebounded. And, blocks, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know this Belgian team, pretty underwhelming given oh, the players. Yeah. And this is kind of a lot of people saying this is their last chance, but I'm going to counter that soon, but I'll let you go. They were, they were more or less battered, weren't they? And like a repeat performance probably won't see them going very far. And this kind of feeds into why I picked KDB to be uh, the best player of the tournament. Because I thought Belgium were going to be shit. And so I'm relying upon uh, De Bruyne now being good enough to carry them through to the last day. Just absolutely tearing it up at every circumstance, every situation. Yeah. Um, How old is KDB? What is he, 31? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go 31. So I had this theory today. I actually thought he was a couple of years younger than that, actually, though. So this could be off. But anyway, here's my theory. All this hype Belgium have had for so long now about this generation of players and it's slipping away with players really getting on in age. Even De Bruyne, apparently, who I thought was like 29. Um, You watch them be absolute dog shit here and you watch them win the next World Cup when they don't have all these gun players. Oh, you But Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne does the Luka Modric of 2018 and he says, get on my back, boys. Let's go. I'm fellas. taking you to the final. I'll get you that far and then we'll see what we can do. That's what's going to happen. I'm telling you. Put money you on think... Belgium to make the final in 2026. Why can't it be this one? Because you've still got the Tongan. You've still got Outer World uh, playing it back. Uh, that's not how it works. Courtois. I mean, that's not how it works. Witzel and Tielemans. I, just... I know. On paper, it should be happening and it never has for some reason. It seems, no, but it seems like now it's a, dad, it's a dad's army kind of tribe. Yeah. You want him to just take the kids through. Is that what you're saying? I think he will, yeah. 35, he's going to be... Kevin mm. De Bruyne is going to be playing as a six when he's 35 and just dictating everything, you know? Can we put some futures bets on now? <laughs> I'm going to hit up sports bet. Yeah. Belgium to win it in America. I'm just going to move on before people get sick of that. All right. Uh, there was the other, the other game that we haven't... was tonight's, actually. We're recording Thursday night. 
Switzerland have just beaten Cameroon. Uh, Uruguay are about to play South Korea. I don't really have any strong thoughts on either of these two, apart from maybe Cameroon didn't create anything. The few shots they did have, they didn't test Sommer really at all. Um, Switzerland probably could have tucked another one away at the end, Seferovic, but didn't. Um, That's all I've got. Good stuff. Shakiri has been involved in 50% of Switzerland's last 28 goals, which I think is a great stat. Yeah, there you go. Um, What are you looking forward to over the next couple of days? What's your big one? Just quickly. Definitely Serbia-Brazil in the morning. Yeah, Serbia-Brazil Friday morning. People will have uh, seen that game before they listen to this. Mm. But yeah, that's... Wild predictions? I've had that game circled uh, since, like... The World Cup started. I was like, yep, Friday morning. That one's going to be great, aside from the Australia game. Because I can't get up. I physically cannot get up for every 5.30 game. As no, much as I try. I, well, I, I, I could. I could, but I would have to neglect every 11.30 game. And I don't want to do that. So you just got to weigh it up. You no, know, you're managing which game you think is going to be better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If this, was, if this was a professional outfit, I would take the late games. You would take all the early games. But it's just, no, we're, we're fans first. We're fans. Yeah, beautiful. All right, we might wrap it there. All good. All, uh, we'll talk to you soon, won't we? Kick it. Yeah, when's the next one, you reckon, after the uh, soccer is? Maybe, we could, maybe a Sunday night. Maybe we Sunday, do a, Sunday or Monday night we'll record again, I think. Uh, we we're, making, night, we're making it up as we go, depending on our schedules, because we're both very mm-hmm. busy and trying to fit all these really? football games in. So good stuff. All right, hope you're enjoying the World Cup, folks. See you yep. in a few days. Go Australia. But- Don't let them talk shit on you. Enjoy it. Yeah. Be tired at work.